0: Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to introduce a new sponsor to the podcast. Hillsdale College has been a longtime sponsor of the broadcast, and for the new year, they've graciously agreed to exclusively sponsor the first hour or segment of the podcast. I believe deeply in the principles and mission of Hillsdale College, which I share with you during the upcoming segment. My thanks and appreciation to Hillsdale College for their long partnership with the show and now the podcast.
1: He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark The
0: Gladys night yesterday at the Super Bowl, the National Anthem. It's the best part of the Super Bowl. And that's controversial to some people. What's happening to our country, ladies and gentlemen, where a baby is born and then can be killed and it's called a mother's choice, the government's not supposed to interfere? Millions and millions of Americans support that. I would say the vast majority of the media supports it, the vast majority of the Democrat Party, the elected part anyway, supports it. How did we get to this point? I look at the governor of Virginia, the lieutenant governor of Virginia, we'll touch on that shortly, but those are bigger issues than the governor of New York, who is a complete and utter disgusting disgrace to me. He sits there, he signs this infanticide law. People are applauding. This is a woman's choice. What kind of a woman? Woman chooses to kill her baby after the baby's born. I'm sorry. There are no exceptions for that. None. What kind of a woman doctor provider agrees to kill a baby in the third term? Look, I'm against abortion but I'm even talking about these cases which are really not debatable. Under any circumstances. And you know how I know that? Because the laws are written so broadly and the language is so ambiguous. Even the authors of the laws know it. They don't write these laws to protect women who are in horrific states of uh, potential death and so forth. They write these laws for choice. That's what they say it's choice. future generations are going to look back on this generation with complete and utter contempt you think we're modern, we're not modern this is barbaric to the extreme you know we lose our parents we lose our parents it's a horrific thing None of us are going to escape this planet alive, none of us, just a matter of when and how, but to actually have a hand in the murder of an innocent baby human being, and every religious institution in this country doesn't rise up, every civil rights institution in this country doesn't rise up. Every political party in this country doesn't rise up. Every person in this country won't rise up. It's just uh, appalling. And I want to say one other thing. You on the Supreme Court, you did this. You did this. You started this. Just like the Dred Scott decision, the Roe versus Wade decision. They say, keep government out of the bedroom. Well, what do you think the Supreme Court did? It went right into the bedroom. What do you think Obamacare does? It goes right into the bedroom. What do you think Medicare and Medicaid do? They go right into the bedroom. What do you think Medicare for all will do? Go right into the bedroom. Lots of things that go on in bedrooms, ladies and gentlemen, that are appalling, immoral, and illegal. Incest, rape. Doesn't matter if it's done in the bedroom or somewhere else. We used to believe in right and wrong, good and evil, moral and immoral. Many of us still do. But I come to you tonight disgusted, absolutely disgusted. For the media to censor in so many respects, this infanticide that's catching on. is grotesque the same media that covered up the Holocaust the same media for decades that supported or was silent during slavery Washington Post had to run an ad spent 5.2 million dollars I don't care how much they spend I don't represent their union democracy dies in darkness they say really really So does freedom of the press. These media outlets throw around the phrase freedom of the press. They have no idea what it means. It's a slogan for them. It's a dogma for them. Freedom of the press. Press in this country started as freedom of speech. Then we had the printing presses. These were the brave men who were always threatened thrown in prison, even in the pre-independence days in our own country, when so much of the country was under British rule, directly or indirectly. These were the men who led the battle for the revolution. It was very difficult to print a newspaper back then both the political pressures and the threats as well as the mechanics of it very difficult there weren't that many newspapers but word would spread back then the debate was about liberty individualism property rights taxation without representation back then the debate was about (laughs) representative government today the debate is about tyranny How many ways can we impose tyranny on the American people and get them to support it? And they figured out how to do it. Hegel figured out how to do it. Marx figured out how to do it. The progressives have figured out how to do it. Don't call it tyranny. Don't call it tyranny. Call it redistribution of wealth. Call it sticking it to the rich. Just don't call it tyranny. But it's tyranny nonetheless. In many ways, we've lost our way. You and I, we want to get it back. But I'm going to tell you, our backs are against the wall here. Our backs are against the wall. I'm not trying to throw a wet blanket, but I'm telling you, it's a wet blanket. I can get on here and be a Pollyanna. I can be a monkey. I can be a whatever you want. But I won't. If I have to go down with the ship, I go down with the ship. That national anthem is so beautiful, and the way Gladys Knight sang it was the most beautiful rendition I've ever heard, ever. I got the chills every time I hear her sing it. I get the chills and she was on with don lemon on cnn on friday and all all he could do was suggest to her that it might hurt her career if she sings it day in and day out on cnn and msnbc day in and day out in the washington in the uh, washington post and the new york times day in and day out on the networks we hear the voices of tyranny The voice is a tyranny. And so when the Washington Post runs an ad during the Super Bowl, democracy dies in darkness, well, they should know. So does freedom of the press. They have done nothing. Nothing to support freedom of the press. Nothing. Trying to destroy a sitting president, trying to cover up as best you can infanticide that's not freedom of the press that's tyranny I'll be right back
1: our
0: nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth recognize what is beautiful and hold up what is good but the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. As Hillsdale enters its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of Liberty. These include free online courses the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 through charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu. hillsdale.edu. First, uh, saw what Andrew Cuomo did and what Northam was proposing the advice of one of these delegates in Virginia you might recall I said stop calling it abortion stop calling it late term abortion it's infanticide." and I looked it up remember I read it to you that's what it is the killing of a baby after birth You know, uh, the left makes their arguments sound so good, don't they? And yet our side, quote-unquote, seems incapable of it. If those of you who read Ameritopia would turn to the first chapter, I'm not going to read from it, you'll be able to respond to all this. Utopianism, that's what you're hearing, substitutes glorious predictions and unachievable promises for knowledge Science and reason, while laying claim to them all. And this utopianism, which has spread like a cancer in this society, I coined the word Ameritopia, or Ameritopism, if you prefer. So what the Founding Fathers created in the Constitution is the most magnificent government on the face of the earth. And the reason is this. Because it was intended to preserve the American society and the American spirit, not to transform it or destroy it. So we have this alien ideology. They even take the word progress and bastardize it. Progressivism. They dare not call themselves soft Marxists, although they more and more brazenly call themselves democratic socialists. And that is oxymoronic, democratic and socialists. Look at Venezuela. We don't need to be theoretical about this. That's the people's paradise, you see. The people rise up. The proletarian rise up and destroy the bourgeoisie. well, the proletarian is rising up and demanding their liberty, demanding their vote legitimate vote, and who's stopping them? the bourgeoisie no, the government the government that was said to be to be there for the proletariant. The entire Marxist ideology is a disastrous fraud, and its little prodigy, progressivism, is a disastrous fraud. I'll tell you how I know. Progressivism has been effectively part of our government now since the early 1900s, give or take, the 16th Amendment, the progressive income tax, the 17th Amendment, which destroyed the Senate and Congress effectively. Every step since have not been steps for liberty. We've had little respites. There have only really been two conservative presidents in the last century, not this century. Look, the book will be written on Trump when the Trump presidency is over. He's been far more conservative than I certainly expected. But looking back on presidents who've served. You had Coolidge and you had Reagan. That's it. That's it. The other Republican presidents really made no effort, no serious effort, to bring this nation back into a constitutional model as the framers contemplated. They've all grown the federal government. All of them. And they're praised for it. They're praised for it. I don't mean just by spending. I mean by, by area of, of private citizenship, of private activity, of the private economy. They just keep growing it. And so uh, I just think, remember this. Remember this about a wolf in sheep's clothing. Bernie Sanders likes to point to the Scandinavian countries today as an example. But Bernie Sanders didn't take his honeymoon in any of those countries, did he? He Took his honeymoon in Moscow. Moscow, Russia. I'll be right back. 175 years. That's how long Hillsdale College has been around. As we start a new year, Hillsdale's entering its 175th year, but in all of that time, it still holds the same principles since 1844. The college was founded to teach students to seek truth, to recognize what is beautiful, and to hold up what is good. Most colleges have lost their way and are now in the grip of political correctness. They reject the idea of objective truth and peddle moral and cultural relativism, not Hillsdale College. Hillsdale continues to provide sound learning essential to preserving civil and religious liberty. Hillsdale is my favorite college because it has stayed true to that mission and extends it nationwide on behalf of liberty. From its free online courses to its free speech digest and primus, from training leaders at their Kirby Center in Washington, D.C., to helping establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide, Hillsdale is educating Americans to restore our freedom. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. This is Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu.
1: The Mark Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811.
0: When you see this photograph of the Klansman and the person in blackface in the medical yearbook of the now Governor Northam, and those were his pages, he claims now that neither one of those is him, and a gentleman uh, has now come forward and said that he was with Northam at that party. And that Northam was actually dressed as a lawyer in a three piece suit, and so uh this gentleman also um blackhawked down apparently he was one of the uh one of the soldiers involved in that, so he's to me a credible person but that said um he then later says northam that he dressed in blackface to do a michael Jackson dance or competition and uh, here's the problem here's the problem we've made a hell of a lot of progress when it comes to race despite the endless allegations of racism by the left against people with whom they disagree many of whom if not most of whom, are not racist And this is what you resent, and this is what I resent. I think in the future, I talk about it a lot, 50 years, 100 years from now, and I think about it a lot, maybe 1,000 years from now. I think there'll be a lot of writing and talking about how the United States really did turn the corner on racism. I really do. You look at this country... Look at its size. I read somewhere... ...that 67% of the people in this country... ...are white. I'm not exactly sure what that means. I'm not exactly sure how they count people. But this is important, particularly to the left in the government. <clears throat> it's not something I would even be counting. And the number shrinking, 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 shrinking... ...as a result of birth rates and immigration as a result of birth rates and immigration. So I feel like we really have and continue to turn a corner on this issue of racism. And there will always be examples of it. Just like I think we're a magnificent country, but there's always examples of murder and rape and so forth, which are horrific. But I do not believe they're systemic racism in this country and people talk with their feet I don't see minorities leaving the country and I see minorities or majorities of other countries minorities in this country coming into this country now what does that tell you? put aside the professors and the cable anchors and all the rest that speaks for itself does it not? but we're turning another corner you see and that's on this issue of respect for human life. In this, we are hugely regressing. Hugely regressing. And I think 50 from 100 years from now, they're going to think we were barbaric. Maybe not. But someday, one day, that's how we will be viewed, and rightly so. And so will the Supreme Court, for that matter, and all these federal courts that continue to assist the radicals in this country in pushing the edge of the envelope. And as we discussed last week, and as has been discussed all weekend and into today, that's why I tell you, listen to our show, you can see with well, a moral compasses, the calls by the Democrats running for president, others in Congress or governors or others on TV, is for Northam to resign because of the yearbook. Fine by me. But not one of these people have told him to resign because of infanticide. Not one. Not one. If you're not gonna treat our babies with respect, do you think they have respect for you? I'm quite serious about this. I hear all the yelling on cable TV back and forth, which is why I do a different kind of show as long as I decide to do it. I see all the bickering over nonsense. I'm not saying this is nonsense, but there's a lot of bickering over nonsense. I see all the name calling. That's okay, but not if you lose sight of humanity. Humanity's not about a government program. Humanity's not about a ninety percent tax. Humanity's not about stealing somebody's wealth. That's not humanity. It's insanity. Insanity. Now, the lieutenant governor of Virginia is an African-American. And he's in line should the current governor of Virginia resign or whatever. It's a very odd story swirling around him. This is from Fox, Alex Pappas, Brooke Singman. Washington Post pushes back on Justin Fairfax, Lieutenant Governor. His denial of sexual assault claim publishes graphic details. Graphic new details are emerging about a newly revealed allegation of sexual assault against Virginia Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax. As the Washington Post pushes back against Fairfax's claim that the newspaper found serious problems with the original accusation when it initially opted not to publish the account. The Post did not find significant red flags and inconsistencies within the allegations, as the Fairfax statement incorrectly said. The Washington Post said any story published Monday, sharply disputing the lieutenant governor's statement. The allegation against Fairfax, a Democrat, first surfaced on the website Big League Politics. The same right-wing political blah-blah. Why is this right-wing? Can't they just say Conservative. <clears throat> Is this an, an effort to degrade or diminish the report? The same conservative blog that published the now infamous yearbook uh, with the photo showing someone in blackface and someone in a KKK costume on Virginia Governor Ralph Northam's 1984 yearbook page. Fairfax has vehemently denied the accusation. And uh, in a pre-dawn denial on Monday, he, uh, he tweeted his statement. By the way... Uh, President of the United States has certainly made Twitter the place where politicians go to speak to. Fairfax said that the accuser woman first approached the Washington Post over a year ago prior to Fairfax's inauguration in 2018. In this statement he said the Post carefully investigated the claim for several months after being presented with facts consistent with the Lieutenant Governor's denial of the allegation. The absence of any evidence corroborating the allegation and significant red flags and inconsistencies within the allegation, the Post made the considered decision not to publish the story. But in its Monday story, the Washington Post acknowledged investigating the claims and deciding not to publish. But it said the Fairfax statement incorrectly claimed the paper found significant red flags and inconsistencies with the allegations. Fairfax and the woman told different versions of what happened in the hotel room with no one else present, the paper said. The Washington Post could not find anyone who could corroborate either version. Now I want to have a question for Mr. Fairfax. What was your position on the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation? Now some have written wisely that the media didn't much give a damn about corroborating anything when it came to Brett Kavanaugh and that is absolutely true and that's a very very important point but I'm asking Mr. Fairfax the lieutenant governor of Virginia what was your position no due process that's what the Democrats said no presumption of innocence that's what the Democrats said you think sir you could get confirmed for a federal judgeship no not on those standards you're guilty as accused and no due process and ironically, when it comes to the governor, we're back to a yearbook, aren't we? Got to believe what's in the yearbook. Not little jokes and statements taken out of context by this, this fool from Rhode Island. White House. Senator White House. No, there's a picture. As they say. The Washington Post didn't name the accuser, but the paper said Fairfax and the woman met first in Boston at the 2004 Democratic National Convention. Washington Post goes further. The woman described a sexual encounter that began with consensual kissing and ended with a forced act that left her crying and shaken. The Washington Post reported she said Fairfax guided her to the bedroom and then whatever. So now the Washington Post is putting out the information. This would be the same Washington Post that, no doubt, Mr. Producer, could you find if they endorse Mr. Fairfax for lieutenant governor? I know they endorsed Northam for governor. It seems to me if these major news outlets are going to use their opinion and editorial pages to try and influence the electorate, that they have some responsibility, too. More to come. I'll be right back.
1: Mark in.
0: Have you ever thought about the word education? It means to lead forth. Now let me tell you about a place that leads forth. Hillsdale College. At Hillsdale, students are challenged to discover the right way forth by reading the greatest books by the greatest minds in history. And they learn the meaning of the three ultimate and related things, the good, the true, and the beautiful. Now unfortunately, many of our nation's other colleges have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. But as we begin a new year, we can be thankful that none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. As Hillsdale enters its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 through charter schools nationwide, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. This is Hillsdale College. Please visit Hillsdale. Go to hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's Hillsdale.edu I forget who it was who wrote the book Blood Sport. You don't need to send me the name, all I have to do is Google it later. But that's that's where we are with politics. Any way to destroy your opposition. You see, I can't give Mr. Northam a benefit of the doubt, not because I believe in a blood sport, but I believe he's a very conniving individual. The things he said about Ed Gillespie, the Republican who was nominated and running for governor against him, were just appalling. Accused him of being a racist. Some third-party left-wing group ran a grotesque ad where a pickup truck with a Confederate flag was driving after these These children, who were obviously minorities, Latinos, they were running for their lives, running scared, and they basically projected that onto uh, Ed Gillespie in the waning hours of the election. Now what kind of per and, 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 uh and Northam wouldn't denounce it? Northam wouldn't denounce it. You know, it's very curious to me. You see these politicians. You see Northam. You see Fairfax. Fairly or unfairly under attack. But they're not alone. You see Bill Clinton unfaithful to his wife. What, a thousand times? Ten thousand times? Whatever you think of Hillary. That's not my point. You know about John Kennedy. You know about Lyndon Johnson. You know about... Ted Kennedy and Chappaquiddick. These are very flawed people, ladies and gentlemen. You have this 29-year-old elected out of New York City who the media push and promote as the next great politician or leader, unbelievably. Why would you give more and more decision-making over your personal lives and the lives of your family to these people because they tell you something you want to hear? Some of these people are crackpots. Some of these people are truly screwed up, but even if you give them the benefit of the doubt that they're decent people with, you know, average intelligence, why would you surrender your most precious right, liberty, to these people? We don't really know who they are. (coughs) I have the, the endorsement from the editorial board of the Washington Post of Northam over Gillespie. In part, they say, it's not that Mr. Northam is qualified and Mr. Gillespie unqualified. It's that Mr. Northam can convincingly promise to be governor of all for all Virginians, while Mr. Gillespie, even while asserting the same, has disqualified himself from any such credible claim. We support Mr. Northam. In the down-ticket races, which feature four lawyers, the choices are equally clear. For Lieutenant Governor, Democrat Justin Fairfax, the much better choice is a bright, competent, well-versed, former federal prosecutor turned corporate attorney. They didn't bother to look in the backgrounds of either of these men. A website got the information. Almost reminds me of Drudge and the Drudge Report in the blue dress. And the whole Clinton scandal when the media are so in the tank are so in the bag for one political party and for one ideology while democracy is lost in darkness, Mr. Mr. Uh, Producer. So all the news now is about the game of politics when it comes to Northam and Fairfax. Will Northam resign? Who insists that he resign? And then They try and turn it into a Trump issue. Well, if Northam's a racist, what about Trump? What about Trump? Remember Charlottesville? I remember Charlottesville. Remember what he said in Charlottesville? I remember what he said in Charlottesville. Well, he basically said, look, there's two sides, and each side, you know, that's not what he meant. What he was talking about is whether or not to remove Confederate monuments or to leave Confederate monuments. It's a legitimate debate. We don't rip out pages in history books. We don't go to the National Archives and start burning down various wings to the National Archives. History is history. It's not that you agree with it or like it. That's what he meant, and yet they turned that into Trump the racist. More on that when I return.
1: From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
0: Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Well, we have the State of the Union address tomorrow. And unfortunately, what will be most memorable about it, you mark my words, will be the antics of the Democrats and the media focusing on the various malcontents that they bring in as guests. They have no respect for anything, not the State of the Union, not the uh, not the House of Representatives, nothing. Everything is a stage for their lunacy. And the President of the United States may well need to trigger this National Emergencies Act of 1976. As you know, it's been triggered over 50 times in the past since 1976. And over 30 instances of, of that uh, act that have been triggered are still uh, in play, are still taking place. And all of a sudden, because it's Donald Trump, the so-called constitutionalists, most of them are phonies and frauds. Say they're worried about separation of powers, and what if the liberal's in office and so forth? Have they read the law? You know, the thing about Donald Trump, despite the propaganda from the media and his haters, the thing about Donald Trump is he really doesn't abuse power. He doesn't take a law and abuse it. I can't think of a single time he has. That law, that 1976 law so there you go, what is it? It won't be long before it's been in place half a century. It allows for martial law under certain circumstances. Martial law. It allows a president to nationalize an industry. It allows a president to order a factory to produce certain goods. I personally think There are aspects of the law that are enormously troubling, and we ought to revisit it. But that has nothing to do with what Donald Trump is contemplating. There are emergency sections of the Immigration and Naturalization Act. There are provisions in the defense funding uh, bill that empower the president to act in concert with or in context with the National Emergencies Act, if he chooses to do so. It's perfectly legitimate. He's not creating a law in the Oval Office the way Obama did with DACA. He's not looking to use the most extremist aspects of the National Emergencies Act. What he's doing is very, if he does it, is very reasonable and rational. What's unreasonable and irrational is the opposition. Now, we know all about Pelosi and her gang, but I want to tell you about Mitch McConnell and his gang. Because this could easily get lost. It was in the Washington Post on February 1, Friday. Headline, McConnell privately cautions Trump about emergency declaration on border wall. I said, now what the hell is McConnell doing now? To understand McConnell, you have to understand that McConnell is about empowering himself. He wants politicians coming to him. He wants lobbyists coming to him. He's not in the small constitutional government. He's into power. It says Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell cautioned President Trump privately this week, that would be last week, about the consequences of declaring a national emergency to build his border wall, telling him the move could trigger political blowback and divide the GOP, according to the two Republicans with knowledge of the exchange. Now, who would two Republicans with knowledge of the exchange be? McConnell could be one of them or people McConnell spoke to because that's odd language if they got the information from the White House, because typically they would say White House sources or administration sources. McConnell told Trump that Congress might end up passing a resolution disapproving the emergency declaration. Remember, the law itself allows for Congress, by a majority of both houses, in a resolution to overturn the president's action which would force the president to contemplate issuing his first veto ever in the face of opposition from his own party. So again, the president could veto it like a bill that comes to his desk. But look at what they're threatening him with. McConnell delivered the message during a face-to-face meeting with the president last Tuesday at the White House, according to the Republicans, who requested anonymity to describe the encounter. The two men met alone and conversed with no aides present. Their meeting was not publicly announced. So there you go. It's McConnell and or people McConnell spoke to. The majority leader's comments to the president came amid rising GOP concerns over the fallout of Trump were to declare a national emergency that would allow him to circumvent Congress and use the military to build new stretches of wall, listen to this, along the U.S. border. That's a long sentence. To circumvent Congress. May I ask you a question? Who, who passed this law in 1976? Congress. 1976, was Congress overwhelmingly Democratic? Yes. It was still the Watergate Congress. Who was the president that signed the bill? Well, he was kind of a squish, as presidents go, Gerald Ford. Okay, so how exactly is Trump circumventing Congress if Trump uses the statute that Congress passed, the statute that has been used over 50 damn times since 1976? Did Obama circumvent Congress? How come we didn't hear about it? Did Clinton circumvent Congress? Did the Bushes circumvent Congress? How come we didn't hear about it? Reg? Trump increasingly appears prepared to take that route, saying Friday, I think there's a good chance we'll have to do it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, notice it's always the burden and the onus on Trump. Not on Pelosi, not on the Democrats, not on the squish Republicans, These people have been in Congress forever. They've run the federal government forever. Trump has been president for two years. And he's trying to get that southern border secured. Congress doesn't exist to confiscate your wealth. Congress doesn't exist to put a 90% marginal tax rate in place. Congress doesn't exist to give free college, free health care. That's not Congress's role. I know, I looked at the Constitution. Congress, the president, they exist more than anything else to protect us and to protect this society. And they're not because they won't secure the border. Not because it's, well, it's in the best interest of the American people that they secure the border, but it's not in the best interest of the Democrat Party that they secure the border. And so they, in an odd combination of the Koch brothers, who are radical libertarians, they want open borders. They believe people are like goods. They should be able to move freely without concern for borders. That's not how a nation state works. And I would ask the left and I would ask the Koch brothers, how do you intend to fund this if a billion people show up on our our border? What's your plan? They have no plan. So McConnell is fighting this. Certain Republicans in the Senate are fighting this. This is why when you have people like Ann Coulter out there trashing Trump on this issue, before he's even pulled a trigger, is really grotesque. It's one thing if the man actually says, you know what, I support amnesty for 1.2 million people. He caves to the left and pretty much that's it. Then you attack. Then you object. We've made it abundantly clear here, you and I, that amnesty is a non-starter. Because you know what amnesty begets? More amnesty. The thirst on the left is never quenched. Never. Ever. Now, let me show you what the Democrats have in mind. This is from the Washington Examiner, Susan for Riccio, Democrats push to revive Obama-era aid to illegal immigrants in border talks. Open borders, more illegal immigrants, massive amounts of your harder income being redistributed forcibly by the federal government to foreigners who are here illegally. Do the Democrats have any proposals that promote individual liberty? Do the Democrats have any proposals that promote a strong private sector and private economy? Do the Democrats have any proposals that comport with our founding principles? No, not one. House Democrats are pushing hard to revive the Obama-era program that would keep illegal immigrant families out of detention and instead give them housing, transportation, health care, and legal aid to help them claim asylum in the United States. President Trump ended the family case management program in June 2017, citing excessive costs and the low rate of enrolled families returning to their home countries. So in other words, what he's saying is it's ex- enormously expensive and people get used to it and they don't leave. House Democrats want to bring it back to life in some form as part of an effort to reduce the detention of illegal immigrants and instead release them into the United States with some supervision – And they're hoping to negotiate that change in the ongoing border security talks between the two parties. So they're pushing their hard left agenda, meanwhile, saying to Trump, not a dollar for the wall. And then you have them and Republicans saying and phony constitutionalists saying, and by the way, that's it. You can't use the National Emergencies Act. Now, he has refused to sign a bill sent to him to fund the government. That did not include money for physical barriers on the Southern border. And he's blamed for shutting the government down for 35 days. He opens it up for another three weeks and says, all right, now negotiate. Then he's accused of caving. Then he says, he makes it abundantly clear, I may well use this National Emergencies Act. Then he's accused of circumventing Congress and acting in an unconstitutional way that the left will one day use, as if the left hasn't already. This is the, the, the mush that passes for intelligent discussion on radio and on TV. Specifically, Democrats want to add $30.5 million to the family case management budget with the Department of Homeland Security. They also hope family detentions can be put, phased out this year. Democrats are hoping to secure the funding in the ongoing talks between 17 House and Senate lawmakers who are trying to hammer out a broad border security agreement by February 15. You notice how they never talk about Americans, U.S. citizens here? What's in your best interest, our best interest? It's never top of mind. I'll be right back. Much
1: Lovin'.
0: democracy dies in darkness, don't you know? Our media is setting about to caricature the president. They've been doing this for a long time, actually, as you know. And one of the things they, they want embedded in your brain forever, seared in your brain, is that the president of the United States is a racist. There's no evidence of any sort that the president of the United States is a racist. There's evidence that some of the people accusing him of racism are racist. There's evidence of widespread and growing bigotry within the Democrat Party, especially anti-Semitism. But the media aren't that much interested in that. And I want you to listen to some of this as they try and turn the Northam issue into a Trump issue and more than that, a Republican issue. Here's this guy, Sherrod Brown from Ohio, who's a left-wing slob bought and paid for by big labor. And Chuck Todd, a complete moron. Cut one, go.
2: Folks are now being held accountable uh, for blackface in ways, frankly, that that we didn't we didn't have
3: that kind of that strong of a moral code, I would argue, in our politics uh, until recently. Why do you think that is? Well, I think this country hasn't dealt well with the issues of race. I mean, we have a president who's a racist uh, who uh, we have. Uh, let me, let uh, you me know, pause that you there. That's
2: just that, that you believe in his heart.
3: He's a racist. Oh, I don't know what in his heart means. I know that he built his political career uh, knowing what he was doing on questioning the the legitimacy and the birthplace of the president of the United States. I know early in we that there have been all kinds of news reports about what he did early in his career on housing. Uh, We know. um, I mean, read 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 the new Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. Read the Color of
1: Law.
0: Oh, I'll be sure to grab that book. Go ahead.
3: Housing discrimination and decades and decades and decades of housing discrimination, and uh, we know that the Trump family, including the now sitting president, uh, played to that and
0: deepened that. Really, I never heard that. Did you, Mister Producer? That the president of the United States was a leading uh, discriminate, dis what well, a, a leading bigot on when it comes to housing discrimination. You see how this works. Now, Chuck Todd acts like, you really believe he's a racist in his heart? Chuck Todd is playing the role of a journalist, but he's not a journalist. He's a partisan. That's why he brings this Sherrod Brown on. And all these Democrats now call the president a racist. It's a disgusting, you know, really low blow. Now, why would Meet the Press or NBC do that? What would Comcast do that? It's what I keep telling you. These corporations, and I understand it's being picked up by backbenchers, that's okay. These corporations are not conservative. Most of them are quite liberal, or they're at least rhinos. And that's why I call it the U.S. Chamber of Crony Capitalism. We've talked about corporatism. The words are in my books. Corporatism. Howard Dean on CNN yesterday. Brian Stelter Fraud. Cut to go.
3: I noticed you retweeted uh, Obama-era healthcare administrator, uh, administrator Andy Slavitt. He wrote the Twitter. He said, if you've warned... So Bob stop. Face- so
0: now, this is a news program. There. It's called Reliable Sources, which is really a misnomer of all kinds. So an Obama-era official tweets something, and then Howard Dean retweets it. And this is the question. Go ahead.
3: Or you've repeatedly said President Obama was born in Africa, you should resign. The, the point here is clear. It's a remark about President Trump's own racist history. Right. Do you see a double so you standard? So see,
0: you see, now it's a given. Trump's own racist history. I was never a birther. We had people call this program who would really let me have it because I wasn't a birther. We had people on websites attacking me because I wasn't a birther. I said, no, I don't believe it for two seconds. I believe he was born in the United States. They'll still attack me when I say that. Does that mean you're a racist? Seriously, I'm just curious. Why does that mean you're a racist? Why does that mean you're a racist? Part of the problem was Obama always played coy about it. And Obama's father was quite the sleazeball. But I always thought he was born in the United States. Anyway, go ahead.
3: Howard? Oh sure, there is. They're on the Republicans. I mean, they—you know—they have no uh, morals at all.
0: I mean, so they, you, you Republicans have no more. Uh, 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 we have no morals at all. What a crackpot! What a what a piece of you know what? Go ahead.
4: Because they're happy to ask Ralph Northam to design. They have a much, worse as I recall,
0: the uh, the Democrats are running for the hills when it comes to Northam. Isn't he a Democrat, Mister Producer? I believe he's a Democrat. Wasn't he endorsed by the Washington Post, Mister Producer? but he was endorsed by a lot of left-wing Virginia editorial pages. Why don't they write some editorials explaining themselves now why they didn't dig a little harder? No, Mr. Dean, you happen to be an absolute nut job. I'll be right back. 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's L E V I N dot ncom or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN.
1: This is America's Constitutional Convention. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one.
0: You know it's not smart. Job boards that send you a mile high stack of resumes to sort through. But you know what is smart? Going to ziprecruiter.com slash Lavin L E V I N to hire the right people. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to identify people with the right skills, education and experience. And actively invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the United States. And this rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, you, my listeners, can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. And if, uh, if, if I think you're really going to love their process. They don't just sit back. They're aggressively going out to find you the right candidates. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N, ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire, and that's no joke. Ron, Atlanta, Georgia, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? Mr.
3: Denali, it's an honor to speak to you.
0: Thank you go, uh, go for. it. Every
3: I listen every day to you and uh uh you ha- we are all grateful for you. I just want to say I had the great honor of uh driving Miss Glad- Gladys Knight into the uh game last night. And uh
0: Now hold on now. I- you're a limo driver?
3: I am for the Super Bowl.
0: How do you like that? Go ahead.
3: It's uh it was it's it supersedes the job when you get uh, an assignment like this and I, uh, was greatly honored. Uh, she was, uh, the sweetest, most angelic woman that you could possibly meet in person. And, uh, she was just in awe at the, uh, four motorcycles that, uh, led us in as they blocked traffic through the whole city across interstates and, uh, brought us into the game. Uh, I, I wished her well as she was going in and, and said, we'd all be watching. And when she came out, I, uh, I held her hand and I said that she is uh, a blessing on the nation and uh, what an honor it was to have her do this. And she uh, looked at me and said, that just means so much to me. Thank you. So it was uh, very touching.
0: Very touching. The national anthem. She is iconic. Gladys Knight and the Pips. Remember them? um uh you know, they tried to talk her out of it. Don Lemon tried to talk her down and talk it out, her out of it on CNN. And she was under all this pressure. And she said, no, no, I'm going to do this. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate it. I feel I have to be Radio Free America. If I'm not Radio Free America, who's going to be? If we don't promote Americanism and a great feeling for patriotism, who's going to do it? You're going to find it on television? You're going to find it on the Internet? And unfortunately, most of my colleagues are so busy, caught in the muck of the left, and I understand it because you got to push back, that we don't talk enough. We don't talk enough about the magnificence of this country. All we hear is about racism, injustice, unfairness, inequality. I am telling you that this is a slander on our nation. The vast majority of people who speak this way do not contribute to this society, and I'm including the media, and have not contributed to this society. They think this is a game. And when you're unmoored from our constitutional system, this is what you're left with. The, the founders called factions, F-A-C-T-I-O-N-S, which they feared, Factions. Nation breaks down into factions. That's why they thought they built a governmental system with diffused power, with checks and balances, added a Bill of Rights to ensure individuals are protected from the central government, ensured under the Tenth Amendment that the states would retain their authority, ensured they thought under the Ninth Amendment that the principles under the Declaration of Independence would uh, uh, would be embraced forevermore. But they also said, when people lose their virtue, when people lose their virtue, there's no system of government that can protect them. Interesting. One day somebody will read it. Early on in my book, uh, Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism, there's a letter in there between uh, Adams and Jefferson. And uh, they're wondering, was there anything that Rome could have done, anything, to survive? It's a brilliant letter, Jefferson writes Adams back, he says no, no, nothing Cato could have done, nothing Cicero could have done, nothing Publius could have done, nothing. Because the people lost their virtue. If the people don't want liberty, they don't get liberty. If the people don't want a successful country, it won't be successful. If the people don't want a constitution that's honored by their elected representatives, then they won't get one. The people, if they give up on the country then they lose the country. In so many words, that's what Jefferson said that happened to Rome. And of course, often, the founders and then the framers said it could happen in America. Joseph Story, who was an associate justice to the Supreme Court, was also a, uh, a writer, an author, a thinker. And he had said, The same thing. If the country's to collapse, it'll collapse from within. Lincoln said it. Won't be any foreign nation. It'll be our own nation. Reagan said it. Reagan said it in his famous quote. And I wanted to breathe life back into the quote because people forget these things. In Liberty and Tyranny and it is as i search for it quickly the last paragraph in liberty and tyranny and reagan said it a few times and i actually went to one of the audios and transcribed it as he as he was saying it in the audio to make sure i got every word exactly correct and here's what he said and you've heard this just a reminder Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day, we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. I'll be right back.
1: Mark Levin.
0: You know, by now, most of us have started racking our brains about what Valentine's gift is truly going to make her day special. With 1-800-Flowers.com, it's really not that complicated. Roses from 1-800-Flowers are a no-brainer. Right now, when you order early, you can get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $29.99. Or you can double it to 36-stem Enchanted Roses for $20 more. Now that's an unbelievable offer from 1-800-Flowers. The 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $29.99 or double the roses for $20 more. Roses from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak and shipped overnight to ensure freshness and her amazement. The 18-stem enchanted rose medley for $29.99 or doubled to 36 roses for $20 more. That's an amazing offer, but it expires Wednesday. I mean, we're getting close now. Now's the time to pull the trigger, guys. You know, bouquet prices will be going up very soon, so take advantage today. That is right now. Pick your delivery date. And let 1-800-Flowers handle the rest. When it comes to Valentine's, I don't settle for anything less than my rose authority. 1-800-Flowers.com Now, to order the 18-stem enchanted rose medley for twenty nine ninety nine, or double the roses for $20 more, this is what you do. Ready? Levinites, all together. 1-800-Flowers.com Go to that site, 1-800-Flowers.com Click the radio icon and enter code LEVIN L-E-V-I-N Order today so you get the discount and the extra roses. That's 1-800-Flowers.com. That's the website. And enter code LEVIN at the radio icon. 1-800-Flowers.com. Click the radio icon. Enter L-E-V-I-N. I don't know how better I can say it. Now, when we come back, um, the president's schedule was leaked. Three months' worth. People are combing over it. Graphs and charts have been made. He's been criticized for the amount of time he actually spends thinking and talking to people and reading. He controls his own schedule. That's a good thing. But is that the issue? This president has an enormous amount of uh, has had an enormous amount of disloyalty. This so-called anonymous and the New York Times breaking its standards to publish that. You've had actual transcripts that the president had uh, where he had discussions with other foreign leaders. I've never heard of such a thing. Leaked to the media. Now you've had three months of his daily schedule leaked to the media. There's an individual or a small cabal fairly close to the president That is trying to destroy him. That is nothing but hate for him. This is, uh, this should be condemned, but it's not. I understand, but of course I don't watch it. The morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo, and the little schmoes that surround the schmoes, were all excited about going over their schedule. I wonder how excited they would be if personal information about them had been leaked. Or their schedules had been leaked. Or the fact that they weren't broadcasting from Washington or New York was leaked. I wonder how they would like that. You would think there's a point at which these people would put aside their hatred and look at this from an honest perspective. And of course it's leaked to this site called Axios, which is run by this guy Mike Allen, always a left-wing kook, whether it was with the Washington Post or Politico or whatever. I don't remember these things being done to Obama. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods But what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day, with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code Levin. He's here.
1: He's here. Now, broadcasting them from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
0: Mark Levin here Our number 877-381-3811 877-381-3811 I'm doing my best, folks I'm doing my very, very best My mother's very ill So I'm plowing through the very best I can here Now And I don't want calls about it, please The leaking of the president's um, schedule private schedule three months worth every single day and the media run with it and they're having a blast with it at no time is there any circumspection even when they run with it there's no time is there any discussion who would want to do this to the president all they're doing is trying to tear him down that's all that's intended here nothing else but we don't get that we get an analysis of his schedule Now, you and I know damn well this isn't the way an Obama administration would be treated. They would be asking, who leaked it? Who's the mole? If somebody was attacking Obama and his policies and his intelligence, that he was a threat to the nation and worked on his staff and wanted to write an anonymous piece for the New York Times, you know damn well that wouldn't happen. And you know damn well they wouldn't print it. But at the beginning of the show, he's talking about this effort to enshrine the idea, to sear it in everybody's brain that Donald Trump is a racist. One of the people they keep bringing is this Professor Princeton, Eddie Glaude, or Glaude, I don't know how to pronounce it. He was on the Today Show today, as I understand it. He was on Morning Joe. So he's very popular over there with the Comcast media outlets. NBC and MSNBC. And he's predictable as can be. So we have this blackface photo. And and the Klansman. In the Northam. Yearbook. Not in the Trump yearbook. In the Northam yearbook. And Craig Melvin. One of the anchors. At MSLSD. Is interviewing this professor. From Princeton. Cut four go.
2: This is the third such incident that's that's surfaced over the past, I think, three or four weeks. You had that that situation in Florida, Uh, the Secretary of State there stepping aside because uh, it was revealed that he also dressed in blackface back in, I believe, 2004, 2005 Mm -hmm. as a Hurricane Katrina survivor. In Oklahoma, a couple weeks ago, you had the the two college students there. How did, when did blackface become a thing again? Why why does it seem as if blackface (laughs) is all of a sudden... Front and center in, in America again. What's happening? Well, let's
0: I, let let's slow down. He he talked about two thousand four, two thousand five with this guy in Florida. He talked about Northam, which was nineteen eighty four, and then you have a couple of these college students. It's not like it's rampant in the United States. Let's just be clear. What is getting rampant in the United States are these two congresswomen who got elected to Congress, the first two women. Muslims, and other aspects of bigotry that goes on that is rarely discussed on the Today Show or MSNBC. Anyway, here's the professor. Go ahead.
2: I think it has something to do with what Donald Trump has unleashed.
0: So Donald Trump unleashed it in 1984 and 2004, 2005, and he's very popular, as you know, on college campuses. So he unleashed it there, too. Do you believe this? It gets to Trump. It's Trump who did this. And this professor is a frequent guest on MSNBC and NBC. So they know what he's going to say, and they tee him up with softballs to say it. Just so you know, this is your so-called news room. Go ahead.
2: Uh, It has something to do with what's the reservoir that's underneath our politics that can always be activated at any moment. So it's not like something's new, Mm. something new has happened. It's always underneath. It's the undertow.
0: So there's nothing you can do about it. It's always underneath. Racism is the undertow under America. Which explains why millions and millions and millions of non-whites want to come into America. Because of that racist undertow. And I've told you before, but for these politicians, but for professors like this, but for these endless programs on TV and so forth... We would not only be a more united country the fact is we are a very united country but they just keep tearing us apart. I don't mean on ideas and politics necessarily but we don't have race riots in this country but the tone the talk is just incredible on these so called news programs this very same professor was on the morning schmo show okay So he appears on the Today Show and on the Morning Schmo Show. I guess he just happens to be in the studio. And here he is again. Cut five, go.
2: So part of what we're seeing here, because racism is not the sole possession of Republicans. Racism is in the very fabric of this country. And what it reveals is how deeply and profoundly Joe and Mika segregated this society is. I teach at Princeton. Right, and, and- I'm in a, I teach at an elite institution. But when I go <laughs> Okay, home- so,
0: so he teaches at Princeton, which is a very elite institution, and he's talking about segregation. You see, ladies, it's not just a Republican problem, although it is a Republican problem, mind you. It's in the very fabric of this country. It's in the fabric. It's in the reservoir that runs under the country. There's not a damn thing we can do about it. You're all racists. We're all racists, except those who accuse you of racism. They're not. Go ahead
2: house when i go to my social spaces they are deeply segregated joe just as yours are mm-hmm. and so part of what mm-hmm. we need to understand
5: and what
0: does that mean they're deeply segregated people are free to socialize with whomever they wish people are free to marry whomever they wish to date whomever they wish so how is society deeply segregated people make these decisions themselves. People make these decisions themselves. Go ahead.
2: ...to one another, so that mask can stand in for me. So, Rob, so, so Governor Northam represents something beyond the ideological partisanship, all that stuff. He represents something that's profoundly wrong with us,
0: with America. So there you, there you go. So basically, look, America sucks look it's profoundly wrong in America so he's a Princeton professor you hear the Dyson fellow? he is a Georgetown professor and I'd rather talk to you about as I had before the taxi cab driver not that long ago in Chicago when I was there for the wedding of of, uh, the daughter of my dear friend David Limbaugh and he was talking about how Many, I, don't, I don't go and get into many taxis. I don't, if I travel, I have to, well, neither here nor there. The point is, the fact is, he was saying, I love driving a cab, even though I don't have to. I said, why? He said, well, you know, I worked on an assembly line. We made ball bearings outside of Chicago. Okay. I retired. He was well into his 60s. And I asked him why he does this. He said, I'll tell you, I meet fascinating people. People of all races, all religions, all kinds of people. And he said, you'd be amazed at how people get along with people. This isn't a professor, this is a cab driver, an African-American cab driver, an older man. He showed me a picture of him reading to his grandson, who was five or six years old. He said, I'm teaching this kid to read as early as I can because I want him to make something of himself. I said, "You believe in the American dream?" You said, "You bet I do. I'm living the American dream." I think this is how most Americans who work hard people of faith, people who love their country I think this is how most Americans believe, but you would not know this, watching the Morning Joe, watching the Today Show, listening to these insane professors who make a living, who make speeches, who get tenure. Who write books about racism in America? About racism in America. Rather than an opportunity in America. I'll be right back.
1: Mark Lovin.
0: You know, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes it pays to uh, look at how some of these reporters or anchormen or whatever they like to indulge themselves as at their uh, at their Twitter accounts or their their Twitter or their, what they're tweeting. And uh, somebody brought to my attention Jake Tapper, and uh, Jake Tapper was doing some tweeting, trying to justify identity politics. Much like Stacey Abrams there in in Georgia. Not identity politics. What I mean is uh, attacks on the rich. Sorry, let me correct that. See, I corrected right away. I confused him with another reporter. That's easy to do. All these reporters, you know, they all uh, act alike trashing the rich taking from the rich he basically said this American tradition he cites some guy from Harvard he cites uh, Theodore Roosevelt which is kind of odd since he was an early progressive and that doesn't mean anything you can cite him all you want and so for the media there is nothing wrong with any of this but for the media Alexandria Alexandria Ocasio Cortez she'd just be a freshman congresswoman Nobody would care, would they? But they keep pushing her and pushing her and pushing her. Nobody would care. Same with Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. It's not Kamala anymore, it's Kamala. I'm told. He hasn't really done anything particularly spectacular, except get elected to high office. These are unaccomplished people. But Tapper's in there, he wants you to know because he's tweeting about it, that look this class warfare stuff, attack on the rich, high tax this is part of the, the fabric of America, I guess, along with the Princeton professor, along with racism I guess. This is why if you watch these shows or you listen to these shows, it's so frustrating and so depressing. These elites who live off the the magnificent bounty of this system attack the system they can have it both ways they can leech off the system that is live off capitalism live off freedom of the press live off being a tenured professor while at the same time attacking the system attacking the system now if you think America is such a racist country, why would you continue to support bigger and bigger government? To get rid of racism? Why wouldn't you support lesser and lesser government, more and more diverse decision-making? So if there are racist individuals out there, and there are, they don't have control over the levers of government. I've never understood this. The... uh, the internal contradiction in the thinking and the arguments of the left. They're amazing. If that professor's right, why are all these people in these so-called caravans heading to the United States? Shouldn't we have caravans of people getting out of the United States, Mr. Producer? It's hard to understand why people risk their lives to come to the United States. It's hard to understand why people risk their lives to come to the United States and always have. If these professors are right, if MSNBC is right, and NBC and CNN. And again, they select these guests for a reason. They know what they're going to say. They know they're going to trash the country. It's a very bad time for the media. You know, democracy dies in darkness. I think I heard that somewhere. Bakari Sellers. Who is Bakari Sellers, Mr. Producer? I don't even know who it is. So he was with the Obama administration. Bakari Sellers is on CNN. And here's what he had to say yesterday. Cut six, go.
2: Uh, racism is in the fabric of the United States of America.
0: Wait, wait, well, I thought I just heard that. Didn't I just hear that, Mr. Producer? From Professor Glaude, or Glaude of Princeton. Racism is in the fabric of the United States of America. That's what the other guy said. Racism is in the fabric of this country, he said. Take it from the top. Go ahead.
2: When you see those images, you see the KKK, and we all know that the KKK just brutalized, lynched, raped, pillaged many African Americans, not just throughout the South, but throughout the country. And I think that many times white people do not understand what blackface means. Um you know when you when you have your yeah, yes, he-
0: yes, a lot of us do understand what blackface means. We don't like it, we don't use it, we don't promote it. A lot of us do understand what blackface means. vast majority of us have never put on blackface, who don't have black faces. The vast majority of us have never put on Klan outfits. The vast majority of us detest people who do. You may not know that, sir, but it's true having worked for the Obama administration, hard left. Go ahead.
2: ...out in blackface for a costume, or you, you, your son goes to prep school, or one of these elite day schools, and they, they dress up in blackface.
0: No, they don't. Who is they? Who are they? Who are they? I'm very serious about this. Who are all these people dre- dressing up in blackface and Klansman outfits? Uh, the Klan, obviously, and the neo-Nazis. I'm talking about at these universities and in these uh, in the, and in these uh, private schools. I don't, I mean, uh, Mr. Producer, we look at the news every damn day, don't we? We're on top of it more than most people. Things come up with a transom. I assume CNN and MSNBC would be showing film of this and pictures of this day in and day out, day in and day out of this reservoir of... Re- Racism, rather than having propagandists, professors, Obama officials, and so forth, come on TV and tell us about it. Go ahead.
2: Basically, what it means is that you're calling me nigger. The reason I say that is because black people. All
0: right, all right, all right. I, I, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. This this contempt for this country and the vast majority of people and is really unbelievable. When we have a growing anti-Semitic movement within the Democrat Party, and I would add within the media, based on the guests they select and so forth and so on, do I say the American people are anti-Semitic? No. Do I say the American people are anti-Jew? No. Quite the contrary. I couldn't be luckier to be in this country. The vast majority of us could say the same thing. I do thank God that of all the places to be born I was born here an absolute accident could have been born anywhere fate fate and I think the vast majority of Americans feel exactly the same way and all of us came from somewhere didn't we from other parts of the globe people are not rushing into other countries they're rushing into ours never forget it I'll be right back
3: revolution
0: starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at
1: 877-381-3811.
0: What do you do to look good on Valentine's Day? With Sherry's Berries, you never go wrong with their signature dipped Valentine's Strawberries. She'll fall in love with every bite, topped with decadent toppings, chocolate chips, heart and glitter sprinkles. Mm -mm. The perfect companion to a candlelight dinner. A bouquet of flowers or a night on the town. Valentine's made easy. Arrives fresh with a one hundred percent Sherry's Berries guarantee. Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Send her the Valentine's gift of her dreams at the price of your dreams, starting at only nineteen ninety nine plus shipping and handling. Plus order now and make this Valentine's really special by adding a dozen red roses for just nineteen ninety nine more. Shipped with your Sherry's Berries at no extra charge. Now, Mr. Producer, I don't have, go to what? I don't have the site down here. Can you? Berries.com, right? Go to berries.com. B E R R I E S.com. I have it. I ran out of colored ink. Isn't that funny? So it doesn't show the blue. That's berries.com. B E R R I E S.com. Click on the microphone and enter my code Levin at checkout. Berries.com. Click the microphone and enter code Levin. Order today so I'm starting to print the articles and so forth and they have these links in blue or purple or red or whatever it is, you know, to the original sources and I ran out of the the color ink cartridges I can't get to them I only have the other ones now you don't care, I don't blame you All right. do I want to go over more news? Nah, let's see what's going on out here, give me a second I'm going to pull up the call screen, there it is We have Lou, Brooklyn, New York, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, Lou? Wow. Hi, Mark. What a thrill
4: to speak to you after listening to you for all these years.
0: Thank you, sir.
4: Oh, you're quite welcome. I I wanted to thank you for something you did on your program tonight and make two other very quick points so as not to take too much of your time. Um, The first was to thank you for playing Gladys Knight's uh, rendition. Um, the National Anthem, because I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I'd given up on the NFL. I actually watched a replay <laughs> of the Giants in Denver. And uh, by,
0: the, by the way, it was the lowest ratings in 10 years, because honestly, it was a lousy game. So.
4: Yes, and and that was my second point, point. and that is that karma came around to bite the NFL in the backside quicker than I ever would have imagined, in that I don't think either of these two teams, based on what happened in the respective championships, AFC and NFC, Deserve to even be there, based on terrible calls. And, of course, the Saints game. You
0: must be watching my buddy Stephen A. Smith. Now, I don't think that's his view, but uh, that's a hell of a show, First Take. You ever watch that on ESPN?
4: Not, I, I'm unplugged,
0: Mark. I, I'm I'll, not. Tell, I'll tell you what, honestly. I'm no ESPN fan, but I love that show. Because he is... You don't have to agree with him all the time, but he is a great broadcaster. I, Go he's ahead. And
4: he's a bright man. And, yep. um So I I was interested in seeing that that happened to the NFL, that they had such a boring game, because I felt truly that neither team belonged there. But my biggest point to you was simply this. Uh, When you read Reagan's words tonight from your great book, Liberty and Tyranny, it reminded me uh, that I had actually uh, purchased two copies of the books and gave a second copy to my mom. And And the only lines that I highlighted in the book are the words you read tonight. And I recall, Mark, When I read those words, how startled I was, that I never imagined in my lifetime that that would be a possibility or a consideration, that we would lose liberty in this country. And yet, in addition to what you spoke of tonight, back in the late 70s, when I was in college, my best man, my future best man, was a history major at Hofstra University. And the professor stated in one of their classes that the USA was on a parallel course with Rome. Mm. Startling additionally
0: starling. Well, there are are. are definitely aspects of it. All right, my man, Lou. I appreciate your call, my friend, and uh, your listenership all these years, too. Lee, Los Angeles, California, 870 The Answer, the great KRLA, where we are live and national. Go.
1: Mark. Yeah. I'm so glad I got through. Uh, I want to make a point about factions, but I also, I heard you say, you, you heard somewhere, the democracy dies in darkness. Well, No, 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 no,
0: that, that's a statement that Wall Street Post uses, and I use it against them because they're such frauds.
1: That's an ad. That was in an ad for the Washington Post during yes. the Super Bowl. Well, they've
0: been using that a long time, but a lot of you saw it for the first time.
1: Yeah, don't piss on me and tell me it's raining, Washington <laughs> Post. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, you you talked about the idea of the destruction of America by factions. There's only one faction in the United States of America, and it has nothing to do with sex, religion, race, economic status, it's, it's like Miss Knight yesterday at the Super Bowl. It's like me, you, millions of us who are like the cab driver you talked about, who are free and independent the way Miss Knight yesterday chose to sing what she wanted to do. Each of us belongs to the one faction. Each of us is an American
0: I know, but that, uh, we understand that. But there are these sub-factions that seek to rip the country apart. They're right in front of our face.
1: Oh, I know. And the, and the only thing that, uh, w- w- when I was thinking about that, I can only recommend a 47-page book by Edward Everett Hale called The Man Without a Country. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you heard of that? Of course. Yeah, that, that's the one to read.
0: All yeah. right, my friend. Got a little bit of breaking news here from AP. Listen to this. Federal prosecutors in New York, this is the Southern District of New York, have issued a subpoena seeking documents from Donald Trump's inaugural committee. I'll tell you, when you politicize the U.S. Attorney's Office and you criminalize politics, it is a terrible, terrible day that's been going on throughout this man's presidency. A spokeswoman says the committee intends to cooperate with the inquiry. She said the committee received the subpoenas late today and was reviewing it. And notice the information gets to the AP and the New York Times and all the rest of it. It's not immediately clear which documents have been requested. The Wall Street Journal reported last year that federal prosecutors are investigating whether the inaugural committee donors make contributions to exchange in exchange for political favors. The newspaper said the inquiry also was focused on whether the investigation misspent money it raised to stage inaugural events. Now, let me slow up here. This is a fishing expedition. They want to see if people contributed to the inauguration, did you become an ambassador, so forth, so forth. Now, there's a difference between bribes and politics, you know. But again, when you criminalize politics and when you politicize these criminal offices... Uh, These fine lines are of no matter. The nuances are of no matter. We have no idea what they're looking at, but by this general statement in the Wall Street Journal, what they were looking for last year certainly gives you an impression. The New York Times reported recently that federal prosecutors are examining whether anyone from Qatar, Saudi Arabia, or other Middle Eastern countries made illegal payments to the committee in a pro-Trump super political action committee. Wow. How about people who made payments to the Clinton Foundation Library? Do we have any criminal investigations there, Mr. Producer? How about all those people who met with Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State, and so many of them got favors? Any criminal investigations there? Control over 20% of our nuclear material? Any any criminal investigations there? No, no what are you, kook? What are you, conspiracy nut? What are you, racist? What the hell's wrong with you? Oh, my bad. I remember during the Clinton years, oh, so far back, we have to dust them off, when Chinese frontmen, that is frontmen for the Red Chinese and for their military, were handing bags of money to the DNC. You're too young to remember that, aren't you, Rich? No, you shouldn't be. He doesn't remember. Yeah. Well, that would have been about 24 years ago. So maybe you are too young. 24, 25, 23 years ago in that ballpark. There were lots of them. Johnny Chung. Can't remember all their names. John, uh, H-U-A-N-G, Hung. The Riyadi Group. Any of this ring a bell? And uh, Bill Clinton went on to win re-election and Hillary Clinton went on to become a senator and Hillary Clinton went on to become the Democrat nominee for president this last time. And before that, she ran for the Democrat nominee. Didn't affect them one bit. Where the hell was the Southern District in New York? Sleeping? Now, people were prosecuted, don't get me wrong. But nobody ever put a finger on... Bill or Hillary Clinton. There was no special prosecutor either. How about that? It's amazing, isn't it? What part of the Trump world is not under investigation? And they haven't laid a finger on the man yet. Donald Trump is the most investigated man in America. And they're not done. I wonder how many people doing the investigations could withstand these investigations. From the IRS, from the FBI, from the U.S. Attorney's Office. I wonder how many of them could withstand it. I don't think many at all. I'll be right back.
1: Mark Lovin.
0: Sr. with Medicare Part D, I really want you to listen because this is going to affect you. Secretary Azar's plan to socialize life-saving drugs and put price controls on drugs based on Europe's broken system is a very bad idea, but that's just one part of it. Everyone reacts differently to drug treatments. What works well for one person may not work well for you at all. That matters because there are six classes of drugs that treat conditions that are so serious, your Medicare Part D plan must include nearly all the drugs appropriate for that condition. Because if you don't find the drug that works for you, you might be facing serious health consequences or even death. Their proposal would eliminate guaranteed access to the full range of drugs to treat serious conditions. This is what I was talking about the other day. Rationing. That's why I'm speaking out against Secretary Azar's plan because it would add layers of needless bureaucracy and red tape between you, your doctor, and these life-saving drugs. Now, what kind of country do you want? This is insane. All of us, please go to the get the facts, go to truehealthcarefacts.com, write that down. truehealthcarefacts.com. truehealthcarefacts.com. I really want you to check out this website, okay? Yes, I believe in free markets. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what free markets do. All right, let's go here. Uh, boom, boom, boom. Let's do this. Kathleen, Long Island, New York, the great WABC. Go right ahead.
6: Hey, Mark. My present with you and your mom. I'm so sorry.
0: Well, but well um not. Thank you.
6: Yeah, it's tough. So, um yeah, I come from the state of New York where my governor likes to pardon cop killers but and mm-hmm. thinks it's okay to uh, kill babies. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um anyway, I'm a registered nurse, I've been a nurse for twelve years and I'm back in school for a nurse practitioner, so I got into it last week with my professor, my doctorate prepared professor at a Catholic nursing school that I go to, where it's kind of like this BS ethics class, and she's kind of... We
0: got plenty of those in the legal field, too, thanks to John Dean. But anyway, go ahead.
6: And she hasn't touched a patient, and I can't even remember. Uh, Anyway, Mm -hmm. so she, um, it's like in a class where you're supposed to debate or whatever, and she says, does anybody know about this new abortion law? And people are quiet, and I said, yes, you can kill your baby after it's born. And she says, scolding, this is what I've been saying. You can't put your personal opinion in the room with a patient, and that's not true. The only way you're allowed to abort the baby is if the life of the mother is in jeopardy. And I said, no, that's not what the new law says.
0: No, that's not true.
6: Exactly. So she says, well, so she talks, well, um, I didn't read the law. Mm
0: -hmm.
6: I said, obviously.
0: No, she's a professor. She knows everything.
6: Right. Well, exactly. So the class was like, You can't kill a baby after it's born. You that's not right. You can't do that. And then the teacher's getting all loud and really nasty. So I said, Oh right, I forgot she call you a racist. School. No, she didn't call me a racist. All right. <laughs> that would have been, you know, that would have been it. And there's no more, and actually the archbishop in Albany wants to get um Cuomo thrown out of the church completely. Where's and, Cardinal Dolan? No, the one from Albany. I think. Where,
0: where is Cardinal Dolan?
6: I, I He's cannot. a cardinal. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know. I can't answer that. I don't know. It's rhetorical.
0: But, He's nowhere.
6: <laughs> exactly. And our Pope is worried about climate change and not building the wall because it goes against the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. When abortion is huge on the Catholic Church.
0: Tell me, how many Catholic churches are left in the Middle East?
6: Um, probably none.
0: Probably. Why doesn't he probably. focus on that?
6: Well, because he has an agenda. Like, it's like you always say, politics comes first, politics comes first. And with this instructor in my class of professional nurses that have been working that want to go back, she's talking down like I'm in sociology when I was 19 years old.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: And I'm saying to her, maybe you should read the law. I don't have yeah. to read it because, because the New York Times said this. And I went, you know what? Forget it.
0: Here, okay. here, Professor Dingaling, let me tell you something, Professor Dingaling. In the 1930s and 40s, if you relied on the New York Times for information what was going on in the war of the Third Reich and those death camps, you would have had almost no information. These people are just pathetic. And your call was excellent. I want to thank you. Keep fighting out there. Let's see. Let us go to Kurt, Los Angeles, California. 870 The Answer, the great KRLA, where we are live and national. Have I mentioned that? Go ahead.
5: Hi, Mark. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, my you. name's Kurt. I am a principal yes, in the LA Unified School District. Well, now. you
0: haven't caught typhus or anything, have you?
5: No, but I've caught all kinds of hell from the uh, union. But uh, they can't get rid of me because I outthink them and I outsmart them.
0: And, and you I have tenure, to- I hope. Yes, I do. That a boy. You see, you keep your head down for a year or two. You get tenure, and then you can you know, speak.
5: Right, right. Well, that's the thing is that I'm calling because you've inspired me to call, because about three weeks ago you were talking about how the institutions are basically owned by the people on the left, and I hear all the time about um, Trump this, Trump that, the wall this. You know, I'm in the belly of the beast in Hollywood, and -hmm. again, I choose this job. I choose to educate. I love it. But the hypocrisy is stifling, and here's a case in point. We, and you probably know this, but for the viewers out there who maybe don't, we provide a free appropriate public education because we serve the public. No matter who we get, we take them in. And if they have an IEP for a student who may have a disability cognitively or otherwise, they get placed at my school. I'm all about inclusion. They're going to pay our taxes. We educate everyone to their maximum extent appropriate. But the minute somebody who appears to be a behavior problem or looks at someone the wrong way, these teachers, many of whom have railed against Trump and the wall and want open borders, say, absolutely, we want the class sizes to be this. That student doesn't belong in my classroom because he or she is a problem. Who do you think we're taking in all the time when we have open borders? But isn't
0: it interesting? They want to control their classroom, but we're not allowed to control our border.
5: That's exactly right, and I've begun to start speaking out more and more about these issues because you've inspired me, and I'm tired of being afraid.
0: Well, all right, my friends, You got tenure, so, you th- th- I mean, it would take a lot to remove you, and God bless you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all law enforcement. Thank you. We'll be here tomorrow, God willing. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, please join us, and we have a great Levin TV tonight. I hope you'll join us over there as well. See you tomorrow.